Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. If you haven't yet, please be sure to follow our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts at. I wanted to kick off today's episode by inviting you all to the upcoming Wrenchway one-year anniversary event. On Wednesday, June 23rd at 3 p.m. Central Time, we'll be celebrating our one-year anniversary with some cold beverages as we review some of the highlights of our first year and... We're going to give you all a sneak peek of the newest tool we're coming out with that is going to flip the traditional job board around. It's really, really cool. I really look forward to to really being able to announce these new changes that we've got coming, and I think it'll be exciting for all of us. It's free to attend, and we'll be giving away some pretty awesome prizes. I've included a link to register in the show notes, and I hope to see you all there. Next, I want to congratulate Jonathan Robertson, who is the winner of our weekly higher or lower game in the Wrenchway mobile app. Jonathan had a high score of 37 and won a $100 Amazon gift card, which was sponsored by our friends at Diesel Laptops. Thank you, Diesel Laptops, for everything that you do for us. Jonathan also got a chance to win our Queen of Hearts pot, but unfortunately did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, so the pot increases to $1,200. This week's featured topic in the Wrenchway app is, do you think your manager has the right skills and training to lead different personalities in the shop? Log into the Wrenchway app, complete the challenges, and play higher or lower, which is sponsored by our friends at Full Bay, this week for a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card and a chance at the $1,200. Now on to this week's episode. Hope you all enjoy it. Talk to you next week. Today is an exciting episode for me. We've got multiple panelists here to talk about something that I think is a really, really hot topic, which is technicians leaving the industry. And it's kind of a somber subject to talk about and and something that I think a lot of times can be one of those elephant in the room type of subjects. But the three that we've brought on our panel today or on this podcast today all have different backgrounds, all have different roles where they're at currently. And all at some level had a base of being a technician, right? So uh, I want to start by introducing our guests, first being London Herndon, Bob Higgins, and Matt Fonslow. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. I'm, I'm really, really excited for this episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so I, I want to start just real quickly by going around. It's a little different having multiple guests on here, but going around and uh, just talking about your backgrounds a little bit so we can give our audience a little bit of an idea of what it is that you do and and really how you got there. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with you if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Matt Fonzel, Riverside Automotive, uh, independent all makes all models repair shop. Uh, and my role there is uh, shop management, but also uh, diagnostics, uh, electrical drivability emissions, um, ADOS. Uh, I'm getting more and more into um, board level repairs, circuit board level repairs. Um, not don't want to insinuate it's a lot, but that's my primary role is I figure it out. Somebody else, uh, another tech fixes it, and then I verify the repair, do programming, coding, adaptions. And then, like I said, if 
that's a module type circuit board, uh, I might take a crack at fixing it. Don't let me forget this by the end of the podcast. I want to ask you a question about that as we end the podcast, just to kind of maybe dive into the future of the industry a little bit. I know it's not completely related to what we're talking about, but I do think there's some correlation of, you know, what is the future of the industry? So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll oh, try yeah, to chat about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that would be a very valid question. Yeah. Perfect. Bob. Uh, my name is Bob Higgins. Uh, I was a technician for almost 29 years. 15 of them I spent as a master BMW tech. Um, the other half of my career I spent in the independent world. Um, you know, so I'm pretty well-rounded in, in pretty much any kind of repair that you could imagine of, you know, from any make. Um, and, you know, due to circumstances uh, last year, being very candidly and openly, you know, I was let go from my job for a reason that I'm sure we'll get into later in the episode that tie into some of the technician things. Um, probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. I'm now currently an advisor at a small independent shop that's been open 20 years, European specialty. So I'm seeing that side of the business. Um, just really, uh, this is kind of after speaking with UJ, obviously over the summer, it's uh, after having a time out of the business and being able to rethink and reassess. This is kind of like a passion for me to get this through to dealerships and shops for them to understand that, you know, Technicians need to be elevated to the to level of human being, first and foremost, and that they really are valued and they really want to be valued. So, you know, being a part of this is just fantastic. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I'm excited. I've gotten to know Bob really well. Bob's a great, great guy working out of Austin, Texas. Uh, he'll share some of his story, I'm sure, with, uh, with regard to how close he was to leaving the industry. And uh, maybe some of the stuff that really, you know, being able to to see what else was out there really maybe saved him from uh, pursuing a different profession. So uh, thanks for joining us, Bob. London, how about sure. you? Yeah, uh, my name's London Herndon. Um, I got started in a transmission shop originally, and then we did some light diagnostics and repair uh, outside of heavy drivetrain stuff there. And then uh, I ended up at a pretty neat place called Rob's Automotive, and time I spent there, it I I was in the independent world only. I never had any dealership experience, but um, if it broke and was out of warranty, it either came to us to get fixed, or we knew who to send it to or what direction we needed to take it. So um, I've only got a few years of experience in that regard, but. Um, yeah, I, I've pretty well exited the industry almost entirely. And now I, being able to look back and reflect and see how those interactions occurred is it really uh, grants a lot of hindsight and insight to the entire thing. So yeah, go, glad to be here. Yeah. And that's out of curiosity. So, so folks know, what did you do to get out of the industry? Well, what ended up happening was the, uh, um, I ended up going back to school, but that was pushed on by the shop closing and it wasn't a, for a bad reason. It was uh, a great time for the owner to sell. There was only, there were never more than four people working there at any one time. So just so happened to line up that he was able to sell the business and it just, there was a 
uh, semester of school starting. So it just, everything lined up the way it should. But yeah, that was the reason why I got out was good timing, I guess, unintentionally. Did you have any thought of going to a different shop or was it automatically like, hey, in the back of my mind, I want to go back to school? There, There was, and there certainly was no shortage of offers from other places. Like uh, my coworker is at a place now where I, we already knew everybody who worked there. So super easy transition. And I was kind of thinking about it, but I was like, no, this is a, it's like, if, if the time to do it is going to occur, it's going to be right now. But yeah, we had, um, I think we had eight different shops approach us looking for techs. And uh, yeah, still ended up making that decision to kind of leave. So, yeah. And this, this is what I really appreciate about this panel is that we've got some diverse backgrounds. We've got some different backgrounds, all that had some level of of technician experience and a lot of technician experience in some levels. (laughs) Um, And, and there's some level of maybe understanding of maybe some of those people that put those bad things on a, on a job or on a, uh, maybe like a Facebook group or something like that, where you get a negative connotation or a negative thought of what the industry is. And so uh, I have a question written down here and I'm going to ask each of you this same question. And I'm actually going to ask it a little bit differently based on your background. So Matt, I'm going to start with you and, and yours is unique because you haven't left the industry and you, you know, maybe you've had thoughts about leaving the industry. Uh, somebody that's very well respected throughout the industry. You've you've got a ton of content out there, uh, and and really, you know, I think just overall well known throughout the industry. But to have somebody like you even consider that at one point in time, what was it that might have driven you out? A hundred percent was uh, compensation, especially early on, and I would say even even after 10, 15 years experience, you start, I mean, I have friends, they're in other, uh, you know, endeavors, other career paths, um, some in skilled trades, electricians, plumbers. Uh, we have, uh, an IBM, uh, you know, now Microsoft, but it was IBM for years, about 40 minutes away. Uh, and then factories, especially early on, you know, within that first you know, five to seven years, I could have quit, got the job, got a job at the a factory, Red Wing Shoe, you yeah. know, where they make Red Wing boots. I could have made more money there per hour, plus, plus health insurance, life insurance, retirement. You know, I'm not saying I would have maxed out as high, but I would have already got a head start and had a lot fewer, um, concerns and especially my expendable income might've went up anyways, because I don't have a tool payment. Yeah. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing. And then you start getting more, more experience, more experience. And and I would say even like a reputation for capability. And then you get some other offers outside of the industry, some of them inside, but a lot of them outside and it just gets really frustrating when you're talking to your electrician buddy and he's driving around his new pickup and pulling a new boat. And you're like, man, you must be in debt up to your eyeballs. Like, no, I got, <laughs> that's all paid off. You know, I, I own my house and they're making, you know, 10, $15 an hour more than you. 
and they don't have, they're out of pocket. You know, they get mad one day because so-and-so has the Sawzall. So they just march on down to the hardware store and grab themselves a Sawzall. And that's really, you know, they have less than a thousand dollars total invested invested in their own tools and equipment. I have thousands of dollars in one drawer mm-hmm. of a multi-thousand dollar toolbox. Yeah, true story. And I'm so it just it builds up that frustration and it builds up that frustration. And that was really I mean it was making me look. I was looking around, I was talking, I was sending out sending out resumes, you know, cuz you get the time pressure. It's like how long do I wait for things to turn around? Are they going to turn around? You read the forums, social media is starting to get more and more popular, more other people having similar situations, similar complaints and frustrations. And all of a sudden you're kind of like, I don't think it's going to turn around. Maybe I really need to get out. Hmm. And then you, you know, put in your notice or you talk to your boss, talk to your manager about, you know, I think, I think I'm just going to go do something else because, you know, especially like a day like today when it's hundred degrees in the shop, man, I could be sitting in a cubicle right now making as much or more <laughs> and uh, air conditioning. Oh man. Yeah, that kind of sounds pretty good. Do my TPS reports or whatever they were. <laughs> office space. Nice office space reference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just hide your red stapler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll work but, in the basement. That's fine. <laughs> it's much cooler exactly, down yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think what you're saying there, Matt, hits home with a lot of technicians, right? And yeah. and I think that's where we've got to come to terms as an industry with this. That hey, you know, there there is a there's a disconnect between owners, managers, and techs. And I don't know that everybody is quite on the same page even yet, right? Like I think there's still, you know, if you look at uh, obviously gross margins in a service department are great. It's a great business to be in. How do we get yeah. that to trickle? You know, and I, I don't want to steer this, and I don't, I really don't. No, but it, we were talking about this before recording. This is a nuanced problem. There's a lot of things going on, but one of them is like you're saying, uh, there are margins in certain portions of the business. But one of them, I think, that doesn't exist where it needs to is the labor margin, and we may have. You know, again, I don't want to be steering this, so I might want to come no. back to this. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. And I, um, the the next one at Bob, I'm going to save you for last. London. <laughs> <laughs> what am I, a Ryan? <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. I, I, I think the wound is freshest with you, so I've got to. Uh, I, I've got to make sure I. Uh, I it's a good point. That's no, a good point. I, it, that's a fair assessment. London, let me ask you that same question. Why? Why did you personally decide to leave the industry? Uh, and and really, I know when we talk about the shop closing its doors, maybe even further than that, right? Like, so it, it had to have crossed your mind while you were in the shop that maybe you were going to explore different career paths. What for for you personally? What was a what was a driving factor in that? Well, there was kind of a moment of realization where once I started working at that place, I didn't really see just talking to everyone who I graduated with, other people in the industry, an opportunity for it to get any better than it already was. Because we had a sweet deal being an independent shop, where the the overhead is relatively low, you don't have to really worry about 
Like I, I had very little customer interaction until I absolutely had to, which worked really well for me. It's like, I like just hiding in the shop and being able to do, you know, what I need to do. But I, you know, a lot of the stuff that Matt mentioned is, you know, it's, it's a culmination of a lot of little things and some not so little things, just all, you know, all kind of coming to a head at the same time where the and just kind of to play devil's advocate almost it's like you don't can't always rely on the managers like it's not all as shiny as it it looks from the outside sometimes like you know the margins are there to make more money but sometimes they're not you know it's like for us we couldn't charge you don't want to charge the customer a whole heap and amount of money and then you know, it's, it's something that people are going to have to do, but at the same time, you know, we have our own huge cost implementations into this. And, uh, it's a long time family friend, very reminded me of the, the air conditioning comment where it's like, he, he started from ground zero mowing lawns, worked all the way up, has his own landscaping business and pours concrete and some other construction stuff. And it's like, he's sitting in his like, 2019 GMC 3500 Duramax, you know, in the middle, it doesn't get that hot in Montana where he's at, but you know, it's a hundred degrees outside and he's sitting pretty and I'm going, I, I want a clipboard and a shovel to lean on. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's good. The same, oh, wow. same thing. Yeah. Well, so you looked at it from the standpoint and I think Matt was touching on this a little bit too, where, you know, if, if the, if the reward is there at the end, it's maybe a lot more enticing, right? Where if, if you don't see that in, in that kind of, say you're 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, and nothing has changed and the industry still is, as it is today, that wasn't as attractive to you. It sounds like London. Am I, am I right there? Yeah, it was, uh, talking to, guys who have retired out of the business it almost felt like it had taken almost a few steps backwards just with what the pay was at what the type of work was um they're, they're it, you're required to have such an immense knowledge and sacrifice your body and your time for it and there is a finite you know amount of money to incentivize you to do that. And I, I was just like, okay, I have an opportunity to get out now, like get, get out while the getting's good kind of deal. Yeah. And, and that's, that's trouble for our industry. That statement right there, we've got a good young tech in the industry and he didn't see the vision or see things improving. And in fact, was hearing the opposite from folks that have been in it all their careers. And and, you know, I hear from people all the time, if you want to see what people really think of things, ask them when they're, you know, 90 years old, what do they regret? And if you're talking to those people that are, you know, maybe in their 60s, 70s, and they're not seeing the positivity of their career and all of the hard work that they put in, that's a problem. And and for that to reflect like that on a young person in the industry to me, one is just like heartbreaking because like what we're trying to do is <laughs> trying to push the opposite of that. It's like, hey, we, we do have a lot of good opportunities. There is a lot of a, a lot of yeah. positive out there. But 
I think when we look at it and if we all look at each other in the mirror or look at, at ourselves in the mirror, you start to see some of that stuff and you start to see some of that commonality. And, and I tell our clients all the time, if you think everything's just all roses and rainbows, go look at a Facebook message board sometime. And it's a pretty consistent message over and over and over again. So I, you know, if, if you sit on your hands and you're a shop owner or manager at this point, you're part of the problem. And so that's kind of what we're trying to get across is, is we need to get good people in good shops that they can, you know, they can make a good living, that they can be really, really proud of what they're doing. And, you know, I think a lot of it starts with labor rate, right? And that's a lot of our content that we do is trying to make shops more profitable so that they can raise their labor rate so that they can pay their people more. And it's, it's trouble, right? It's tough because when we started off and, you know, it wasn't that long ago, 20, 30 years ago, you know, labor rates are in the $50 per hour range and, and nobody respected mechanics. Right. And that's where, you know, foundationally, I think where we've, we've, I think we've made up ground. We still got a long way to go. And to, to uh, your points on, you know, other trades, plumbers, electricians, they've been charging more than us for a long time. And that's where they can have those, strong salaries and where less people frankly question it, right? So if we go and we raise our our labor rates exponentially right now, people are going to go crazy. So we're kind of in a, uh, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things to help shops more be more profitable. Um, But I think that labor rate is a big, big issue in, in holding us back. We we might have technician shortage, but we definitely have a shortage of high level or really good repair facilities for good technicians to go work at 100%. And that's a great segue to Mr. Bob Higgins. <laughs> uh, so Bob, could you please restate the question? Mr. <laughs> so, so the, the question is why did you personally decide to leave the industry or transition into a different role within the industry? And, I want you to start, Bob, by talking about your experience at the dealership and kind of what happened there. Because it is, what I love about you is that you're very candid, you're very open, and and it it's a it's a good story for a lot of people to learn from, I feel sure. like. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have no problem being like totally honest because I think that's half the problem with the industry is people are beating around the bush and just not having really open and honest conversations about really what the ma- the real problems are. So, you know, obviously, as I said, you know, I, I was turning wrenches for almost 29 years. I was a master BMW tech for 15 years. So my last dealership, you know, um, the promises of a, hey, you know, we're going to bring you in and we promote from within, you know, um, you know, you work hard, you know, we'll see where it goes, blah, blah, blah. They're the same story that we all hear. Um, it, it, it goes, it's funny because it goes back even deeper. And this is a lot of the stuff that I kind of was able to decompress and um, kind of process over the summers as from the time you're young, you know, we're all told that, you know, or at least from a certain generation, you know, when you work for someone, you work hard. You, you give them everything, give 110% and uh, they're going to appreciate your work. They're going to say, thank you. They're going to, you're going to be valued. I think that's the key word is value. Um, early on in my career, I actually tried to get out right around 1996 when I was uh, really young, actually in my twenties, because even at that time, 
I said to myself, I'm like, this sucks. You know, I'm working for low wages where, you know, I grew up in a state, Massachusetts, where, you know, unions are very prevalent. And I think unions have their place. You know, I don't want to knock them. You know, I have some, you know, opinions about them, but I think they have their place. But, you know, when you see guys working as a union carpenter, plumber, pipe fitter, you know, sprinkler fitter, they're making $50, $60 an hour within five years. And they go to a job and they're not really, I'm not going to say that they're not doing the, the hard work that a tech does, but when you're a flat rate tech saying, you know, I got to bust my hump to make, you know, say back in the day, maybe $14 an hour, $15 an hour when you start out. And if there's no work, you don't make any money. Uh, much like Matt said, you start saying, this kind of sucks. Um, because, you know, innately you, you, you have to work with your hands as a mechanic. You have that desire to say, I need to know why this doesn't work. I want to take this apart. You know, the romanticism of like, say the fifties and the sixties were hot rodding and, you know, you got the girl beside you, you're cruising down the, the road, you just fixed your car. It's a Saturday night. You know, that's a, a, a great romantic uh, view of the automotive world. That's doesn't exist anymore. It's not doing struts on a Taurus, right? <laughs> no. You know, or diagnose a can bus line, but you know, so, but that romantic, that the romantic notion of being a mechanic is why I think a lot of guys get into it. They think, ah, this is cool. We're gonna make something go fast. You know, hey, you know, Chevy made this, you know, this pickup truck or this car. BMW made this car, but I'm gonna make it better. You know why? Because I know better than them, right? Or this performance. We all get into it for a reason. But as you start doing it as a job, you start saying to yourself, you know, where do I see myself? Where is this going? Where am I progressing to? So I tried to get out back then and, you know, tried to pursue my passion, went, got my, you know, degree in audio engineering because, you know, music's my passion and realized after that working in a studio, you know, and uh, to give you an idea how far along that was, they were producing the Ricky Lake show. If anybody remembers the <laughs> Ricky Lake show. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, this is great. They got all this equipment, you know, but I'm not making any money. And I say, Gee, I, gotta, I have to go do what I know. And I will say, you know, from that point on, I kind of got a hair across my ass about the business because I'm like, man, I'm trapped. I'm never going to go anywhere. I'm going to make minimal money. I'm going to kill myself, much like, you know, everyone's been talking. And you say to yourself, you know, why do I get, you know, I don't mind working hard. I like working hard, but no one's ever there saying thank you. You know, no one's ever there encouraging you to say, hey, man, I know you're working hard, but we really appreciate you being here. So fast forward, you know, what, 20 years later, here I am in my last dealership. And, uh, you know, within, I was there for five years. In my last two years, you know, I'd be driving to work, thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll get hit by a bus today. I won't have to go fix cars, you know, and that's being dead honest. Because that's how a lot of technicians think nowadays. Um, I, I've had many conversations with many guys that don't want to be at work anymore. Um, you know, the, that goes into the whole topic of, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, a toxic environment and a toxic culture of just work harder, you'll make more money. No, no, I already work hard. Why am I not being rewarded? Um, and I think most, most what, what I think what most managers and you know maybe businesses don't understand is 
you know, if you take your people that are valued employees, because there are some people that are not very valuable, they're actually kind of cancers and you should lop them off before your business fails because of them and they're contaminating the rest of your business. We've talked at, you know, at length about that, Jay. But, you know, going up to someone and like, you know, like me, I was an 80 to 100 hour a week guy, you know, I was producing 80, 100 hours a week routinely. You know, that was just like with the umbrella drink in the hand sitting on a hammock, you know, it wasn't hard because it's, that's just how I was. doesn't mean I'm any better or any worse than anyone. Um, I made my share of mistakes. Um, but you take that general manager or that service manager that walks around and truly means it and goes up to you and says, hey, man, can I pull you aside for a second? I just want to let you know. You are making my paycheck possible. You're, you're making this business profitable. And I, I just got to tell you how much I really appreciate you and how much that what you do means to me. Not just going around shaking hands and kissing babies. That, that's so see-through. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that going on. So, you know, really for me, environment and culture is, is what, you know, almost drove me out. And, and like I said, I shared, I, I got let go because I made a major mistake on a car. Um, and I was making mistakes for the last year or so that were just like, I would catch myself saying, how did I make this mistake? Why didn't I catch this? Cause you know, my brain's checked out. Cause I'm saying, where am I going? You know, where, where's this all leading? You know, am I just going to grind it down to the point where I can't function as a human anymore? And I'm, I'm a cripple, you know, cause of my body. So used up and, and that's what goes through an honest technician's mind. You want to eventually say, you know, I would like to be a shop foreman or, you know, give me a different role where I can train the younger guys. Hey, you got one of me making 80 to 100 hours a week. What if I train these eight guys over there to understand efficiency and understand, um, you know, protocol? All of a sudden I get you eight of me or maybe six or five or four. You either way, it's a long term vision as opposed to that short term vision of let's keep the golden goose making money. Because we don't want to upset the apple cart. So, you know, when I got let go, I was so relieved that I was out of an industry that was toxic. And, you know, we talked and I thought to myself, rack my brain. How do I get out? How do I, you know, go on to something else? You know, mechanics have a lot of transferable skills. I'm convinced that you can take a good, solid mechanic that can figure anything out, put him in any industry and say, Here's our problem. Here's our variables. Figure out the problem. Oh, yeah, no problem. The reason you're not producing enough widgets is because of this. And but what happens is, you know, without getting too long-winded, too late, right? So um, <laughs> oh, this is great, Bob. Well, but but people view mechanics as a very sub kind of culture person. Like, yeah, you're just a mechanic. You probably didn't do well in high school. Yeah, you probably did pass. You probably don't even have your GD, you know, GED and stuff like that. It's like, oh, no, actually, I went to college. I have an associate's in applied science. And I actually got a 3.84. And they t- actually tried to convince me to be an English major because I got straight A in English. So actually, yeah, I, I do have more to be than just cars. And there's a lot of us like that out there. And you start getting that unappreciated, you know, feeling. So, you know, after you talking to me over the summer, you know, we talked about this. And you said, you know, you've got a lot of input and a lot of value that you can add in. So, you know, I was taking a job as a service advisor at this import shop that I work at. It's all European specialty. They've been open for 20 years. You know, I'm loving being a service advisor because uh, connecting with people is fantastic. Uh, Making connections with people is is just amazing. You get to, 
people get to see you uh, if you're honest with them and real, them. not trying to sales pitch them. Yeah. You make real connections and, you know, I've been doing really well. And, but I'm seeing the flip side of now I know why all those advisors all these years get so damn pissed. Cause they're like, you know, this guy's not fixing his car. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. And you know, what's you know, why, why does nobody have any sense of urgency? You know, I'm saying all these things now. I'm like, Oh my God, I sound like an advisor now. Oh no. <laughs> but it goes to show you though that, okay, you know, there's like, a, you know, Matt was saying, there's so many nuances and variables that are um, really part of the bigger problem. It's not one thing. And really just, it's got to start with businesses, uh, whether it's a dealership or uh, a shops realizing that like, you know, we need to start becoming professionals. I've given you the example of if I could stand in front of a crowd of like 50,000 people and pull a guy in a business suit and pull a guy in a technician's uniform and ask the crowd, what's different between these two people? Most people see the business suit person is much more important. He's got a degree. He's smart. You know, he, of course, that's why he made it. This guy's just a mechanic. But, you know, this guy that's the mechanic probably has more information than the guys that sent the first, you know, landing you know, unit to the moon and can fix things that are so complex that you have no idea about, but yet we're kept down on the, you know, the food chain, we're kept down on the, you know, the pay scale. So really that's, you know, for me, as you can tell, I'm passionate about, it. I could talk about this for hours and drive people yeah. crazy, <laughs> but it comes down to show me the general manager that says, you know what? I hear what this guy's saying and I want to sign on to that because you know what? He's right. Long-term vision. This guy's right. And that's really what it comes down to for me, you know? So well, to take that one step further too, Bob, something that we we talk about a lot is actually sitting down and listening to text, right? And and being able right. to actually not just ask the question to uh, not not just asking the question just to check the box, but really asking you know what a text's true feelings are and anything from how the shop operates to you know whatever it is a, a tech a lot of times has some great, great insight and information. And, and many times I think more than what the the manager does. Right. Yeah. And that's just good management. I mean, you see that in any um, profession or I don't know how, you know, go to a factory. Where do you go to find out how to make that that more efficient? Sorry guys. That's my dog. Let me mute this. <laughs> uh, all right, so you, back. you find that, yeah, you find that in any uh, industry where, you know, even a factory, uh, hospital, the medical field, anything where you get a good consultant or just a good manager, they go right to the people that are doing it to find out well, what can I do to remove these obstacles to allow you to do your job. Yeah. Really more easily, because if it's more easy, if it's more easily done, you're going to be more productive. You're going to be more efficient. You're going to make less mistakes. It's all better, right. but there's some natural, you know, I don't know if it's a human thing. I don't know if it's our, you know, American society thing where making it easier for you is almost like as a manager or owner or, or somebody that oversees people, you're reluctant to do it. it makes no sense whatsoever. But that's kind of the yeah. mindset. It's, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. It's an ego thing, well, it's right? Like Jason, it's a, it's, a, it's a boots on the ground thing. But more importantly, you know what it is, Matt, is um, 
I heard this said the other day and it blew my mind. I heard someone say, you can be a fantastic manager and a poor leader. And leadership is really where it starts. A real leader that's a strong leader that people want to follow says, hey, Matt, give me the skinny on what's going on. I need information because you know what? you're doing stuff that I don't see. You're my boots on the ground. How do we make this better? Because that guy says, I'm not in fear of losing my job because Matt's going to take my job. He says, I put Matt in place because Matt's good at his job. London's great at his job. I trust these guys. They're going to make us all look better and we're all going to benefit. Whereas I think poor leadership and poor managers are trying to make all those decisions and all look like, hey, I made all the decisions. I'm the guy that only knows, you know, what we need to do. I'm the only one here that understands everybody else is, you know, a Cretan. Don't listen to them. That's really, I think the crux of it is poor leadership. And I think the funny part about that is, one, I 100% agree with everything that both of you have said. The, the other is, I think there's times where if if a manager isn't proactive with hiring and it ends up you know with a bunch of reactive hires that maybe don't fit the culture and aren't as talented as what they need, it ends up with them having to carry the load so that when they do get somebody talented in, they, they maybe not they, they don't understand how to manage that person or how to lead that person, right? That there are some yeah. people that are, are that can do it on their own. And maybe they got, uh, I don't know, something in their head that, that maybe an experience where, uh, you know, I had to be so hands-on because I couldn't trust anybody else to do the job. And then they just never got out of that mentality. I've seen that before too. And uh, trust, I think yeah. there's, yep. So one of the things, and we talk about this a lot, but I feel like it's really, really important to ask technicians specifically what they feel about the industry, right? And and kind of get that voice of technician that we talk about all the time. And so we asked our, our Wrenchway Insiders, that's very much technician focused, that's very much a, a technician crowd. We asked our Wrenchway Insiders, aside from retiring, what do you think the number one reason is for technicians leaving the industry? And I'm going to, I'm going to list out the reasons that the Wrenchway Insiders, uh, they rank them. And then I want to hear your thoughts on how accurate this is and uh, maybe where you might have any disagreements with the insiders. Number one on the list was compensation at 36%. Number two was 33% said poor management or that they felt that they were disrespected by management. So compensation and pay were very, very, uh, I'm sorry, compensation and poor management were very close. Then there was a drop-off, but that drop-off was 20% saying all of the above uh, that there was (laughs) that, you know, so that, that kind of is a notch in both of those. The two others that we had, the two other options were 8% saying unrealistic expectations. Uh, Maybe the industry or the job is not what they expected. So a very small percentage. And then the least amount said physical demands, 3% said physical demands. And to me, I looked at this and I was really surprised because I thought physical demands would have been a little bit higher on the list. I know when we spoke uh, prior to the show, Matt, you had said that, you know, physical demands, you you kind of agreed with that, right? Where it wasn't the physical demands that that almost had you leaving the industry, that there was you know, some of this other stuff that the, uh, the insiders might've said. Yeah. And a lot of those just seem like they all tie in together one way or another. Um, you know, it, 
this didn't happen overnight. Uh, it's taken decades for us to arrive here. And like, don't want to make it all doom and gloom. It isn't horrific. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if we want to, you know, change things and get talent in here and stop getting, you know, again, we're, we got to be honest, right? You go to a high school guidance counselor. They're not taking the kids that are doing really well in math, science, and reading, reading comprehension. Those aren't the ones getting directed into auto repair. We're getting the ones that struggle in that. And now they're sitting in the guidance counselor's office. Like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, <laughs> you're pretty good with your hands. Uh, you should look into auto repair or yeah. you know, carpentry or something like that. It's almost more like, oh, you're uh, you're not good at the math, science, and reading. Well, I mean, you know, you just break your body for an industry. That's a nice it way is. of saying, hey, that's a nice way of saying, hey, you're kind of stupid. Why don't you go be a mechanic? It is. I mean, it, it realistically, that is the truth. London, how so, did you? Uh, uh, sorry, Matt. I, I, I'm going to no, skip not. over to London here real quick. But London, how? I mean, was that that the same perception that you had in in high school? I guess coming out and and when you might have mentioned that that's this is the route that you were going. How was that? Uh, there there was a little bit of both. I mean, there was definitely kind of the, the romanticized appeal because it was, I've always been into cars. I mean, literally my first words were truck, big truck. <laughs> like that, that was it. Um, you know, I, gr- I didn't grow up around hired mechanics, but I grew up around tons of people who just, you know, they work with their hands and most of them were on cars. It's like, we've had I still have the 1948 flathead Ford pickup truck that has been in the family since it got sold out of a fleet in the 1950s. So I had a passion for it. And then it just, I, I wasn't doing super well in high school and they both just kind of came together at that point where I was like, well, I need something to do. I need something that there's a demand for. And uh, that was it. It was a combination. I was like, well, I've always been into cars. Let's see where that goes. And yeah. that's what put me on that course. Yeah. So I, it wasn't. So, a- so London, let me ask you this, how, again, comparing this to what the insider said, uh, when you look at it in, in how they answered it, is it reflective of maybe why you left the service business? I mean, it, like when we say, compensation and poor management is the top two by far. Um, I mean, was there, it doesn't sound like you had bad management. It sounded like you had really good management, but compensation and maybe it wasn't even like how I'm getting paid today, but you know, long-term comp, like what, what am I going to get paid in 20 years? Yeah, it, it was looking at the, the long-term growth. And I, I am surprised that the uh, physical demand is not higher up there and like some of the earlier discussion points a comment that i wanted to make where it's like so often looking for improvements in efficiency can sometimes be viewed as laziness it's like just because it's easier doesn't mean it's producing an inferior quality product or end result um, but yeah, it, it was really surprising that that wasn't higher up but yeah i just i didn't see a ton of long-term growth. I have interests and hobbies that are very expensive 
too. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to do what I really want to pursue turning wrenches or I'm not going to want to do it because I hurt so bad. Yeah. 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 And that's, what, Oh, go ahead, Bob. Well, what Matt was saying, uh, to kind of dovetail, not to interrupt you, honestly, um, uh, one of the guys at one of our shop meetings with uh, some of the higher ups in the company that I worked for last, which will remain, remain nameless. Um, he eventually, you know, left the dealership, but he brought something up in one of the meetings and, and it resonated with me. And he goes, uh, he goes, you know, what are we doing to, you know, relook at compensation, relook at um, quality of, you know, pay, slash, you know, where we're heading as technicians, you know, because, you know, we're plumbers, we're diagnosticians, we're, we're problem solvers, we're electricians, we're computer programmers. We're doing like five different jobs, but getting paid, you know, like a McDonald's, like, you know, salary when you first start out. But he said this, and this is what really stuck with me. He goes, you know, I see my peers in other industries you know, getting quarterly, quarterly bonuses, uh, getting accolades, getting things that show you have really went above and beyond. You have, you know, achieved well beyond what we expected. Thank you. Here's a bonus. Here's a couple extra days off. Here's more pay. Um, you know, and I've seen that too, where people, you know, got like, you know, $2,500, $5,000 bonus and a trip to like, you know, Curacao in different industries that are my age. I'm going, I'm going, you know, I would love to use an explicative here, but this is a podcast. But you're, <laughs> you're saying to yourself, what the am I doing doing this when I, you know, I could be doing that or something else where, you know, I might be able to, like Matt said, and like London said, you know, uh, you know advance forward as human beings. I think innately we want to do better. But yeah. when you're when you're doing better, but there's no reward for it, you're like, what the hell with this? This is stupid. Yeah. And I think a lot of times the perception on a technician side, and this is where employers get upset, is that if a tech goes and interviews somewhere else and gets an offer, and then you say you're going to leave, and then the shop matches or wants to pay you more, then you're like, where was this at the entire time? And that's where, you know, it's kind of this vicious cycle right now where you're seeing it over and over and over again. And I think that's what techs want is that, you know, okay, if you want me this bad right now, why aren't you treating me like that? And, and, you know, not coming to the table until it's too late. And I think there's, I wish more would think that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a level with you. I wish more would think that way, the way you just said that I wish more thought that way, because what I've witnessed in a few attempted hires you know i've i've hired multiple people and i think it's three in the last two years they were hired they said they were putting their notice in based off an interview i've never seen them do a thing they were getting i mean usually at minimum five dollars an hour more Mm. to start for us Mm -hmm. and you know what they would do after a week, week and a half, call me back. Well, my boss matched your offer, so I'm yeah. going to stay. Well, you know what? I got to level with you. You're an idiot. Stay. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't, don't want you now because yeah. think yeah. about what you're saying. I've never seen you do a thing, and I am offering you more. In some cases, it's more in uh, 
compensation like wages. A lot of times it's vacation. You know, one guy worked for a shop for like six years. He had one week's paid vacation. One week. He was going to start with us with two. Yeah. He yeah. decided to stay. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want you anymore. Yeah, you well, can't yeah. be that ridiculous. Listen you, end up, to you end up prostituting yourself out to the highest bidder because <laughs> it, it, unfortunately it comes down to monetary compensation because you're so unhappy with your circumstances. You think to yourself, if I can just make more money, uh, you know, the golden handcuffs will keep me happy. I'm making enough money that I'll put the blinders on that. I'll just, I'll just pretend I'm not seeing the things that really are bothering me. I'm making more money. And at, at the end of the day, more money doesn't make things better environment and just uh, being accepted and respected. I think the key word is respected, respect a technician. And you know, the flat rate system, it's great if you're good at it, but it's so antiquated, especially with technology. Now, it's got to go away at some point. Um, I will say the last deal I worked at had a diagnostic team where most of the diagnostic work went to them. That was like BMW had crazy diagnostic. Of course, it would be in diag team for three weeks, right? It's a great idea. Um, keeps the shop flowing. Your profitability is high. But the drawback was you created a shop full of idiots that didn't know how to fix anything because all the hard problems went back there, but they never shared the information. So now only a few people have the information. And it's, so it's like, you know, there's a balance of like, you know, take your experience guys that have proven themselves say, Hey man, you know, I'm going to put you on a salary. Uh, you're not going to make as much as you did flat rate. You know, you're not going to make six figures a year or, or maybe you are, but you're going to make comparable. Um, and I want these cars fixed, right? I want these cars fixed, you know, timely. Um, I expect this, um, but you're not going to have to kill yourself anymore because you've proven yourself. Let the young guys hump it out. Let them, you know, smash it out of the ballpark. Let them make the 120 hour weeks. Sure. Go for it. These guys have paid their dues. And and until like that changes, I don't think anything's really ever going to change, you know, because it comes back to, you know, if, if a dealership or shop makes this much money, well, next year we've got to make this much. And then we got to make this much. You get to the point where you're going to jump the shark and say, I can only make so much. But unfortunately, like shareholders say, well, no, we want more. So now you start cutting corners. Let's pay the younger guys uh, less money, but let's give them all the good work. Hey, you guys are experienced. I'm going to give you guys all the crap work because I don't have to pay you as much. And now my profit margin goes up. And it's like we said, said earlier. So many variables, so many margins, so many things that are really tying into this whole problem that it, it's now coming to fruition. And ultimately, it, it, it really falls on the owners and the operators of these dealers so, and shops. Yeah. So, Bob, let yeah, me I could, oh, go ahead, Matt. Well, yeah, just to tie up a little bit where, where I was heading was by not accepting these offers and leaving, you know, by staying where you are because now you've leveraged a, yep. a bump you're training your management you're training the owner the manager whatever that they can kind of leave you twisting in the wind until you start getting upset oh yeah yeah then oh okay yeah you're yeah, right that's exactly right they, they're not proactive about uh you know keeping you happy or you know being proactive and well, then that, uh where bob oh, was going no, I don't mean to cut you No, off. go ahead, Matt. No, no, no. Um, where Bob was going, what's what I don't like is kind of back to that. It's taken us decades to get here. Is the there's a legitimate fear to charging customers. 
right? Because then you have to really <laughs> yep. start selling your value. Yep. And that's hard. That's like a really vague statement. Like, oh, you got to prove your value. It, it, that is a vague statement, but it's what you got to do. And that means the labor rates have to go up or whatever you got to do to ja- increase those profits. What we did was we we're so scared to charge the customers. We we're so scared to jump up our labor rates that we turned it on the tax mm. and said, okay, you know what? 30 hours a week, that ain't enough. 40 hours a week productivity, that ain't enough. It's got to be 50, 60, 70, 80 hours. You want to make the big bucks here? You turn 70 hours a week. Oh man, we'll pay you like you won't believe. Of course, we don't have the system set up that would ever allow you to hit 70 hours regularly. So there you sit, you're ticked off because while I could be making a good wage, whatever that is, wherever you live, whatever the a good wage is, you could be making it if the systems were in place. You know, they, they say they'll pay me this much if I can hit this kind of hours, but there's no systems in place that would ever let me hit that. So now I'm way below that yeah. number Yeah. and you're just getting more and more and more frustrated. And then, yeah. you know, people aren't, techs aren't leaving the um, shops and going from shop to shop. They're leaving they're, the industry. They're, they're hanging out long yeah. enough and they, then they're out of the industry. You can't yeah. get them back. They're yeah. going wherever it may be. They're working. I, Personally, I know one guy, uh, you know, I've tried to hire him multiple times. He's got such a bad taste in his mouth. He's untouchable. He went to work for a factory in maintenance. His hourly rate was lower, but because he is, you work 40 hours, you get paid 40 hours, his yeah. paychecks were bigger. And then it's yeah. back to the benefits package with insurance and retirement and all that. Yeah. Which factory is going to win. Yeah. Because yeah. Gonna kind win. Of dovetailing on what Matt said, you know, I mean, this, you could do this podcast for hours, but really what Matt said, um, <laughs> You know, um, charging, you know, building value into what you're charging, you know, you know, that that's that's really a big part of it because, you know, I know a lot of dealerships. I know from being in the independent world, I get this question all the time. Uh, do you charge for diag? I'm like, yeah, because I have to pay someone to figure out what's wrong with the car and people don't get that. And then when you, you know, our industry alone, like you know, if you say the bill's $1,200, right? They'll hem and haw you know, to the last penny. But if a carpenter comes to your house and you want an addition put on your house and they give you a price and at the end of the thing, they say, oh, gee, you know, we're like $2,000 over. We didn't see this. People are like, oh yeah, that's no problem here. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to intervene here for just a second. And the reason I want to do this is just kind of shift to end the podcast. Right. And so we've talked a lot about maybe some of the issues and why people are leaving the industry, why techs are leaving the industry. What are some actionable things that we can do to keep techs in the industry and say, okay, Hey, you know what? We're not going to have this whole thing fixed tomorrow, but to even show hope that they're, you know, that, you know, if somebody like London comes in as a young technician and we can show him that there's promise that he, you know, by sticking in this industry, he can make a really, really good life for himself. What are the things that we have to do? One, to kind of buy some time to get this the ship kind of steered in the right direction. But then two, maybe long-term, you know, is it as easy as having a $200, $250 labor rate and that solves all the problems? Or is it is it broader than that? Is there more there? And, and I kind of am just going to open this up to you guys to talk about here for a a few minutes, because I'm curious to hear 
one, is that an okay strategy as we move forward to try and at least maybe pause, kind of see that we get the boat kind of pointed in the right direction, the ship pointed in the right direction. And then while we get our ducks in a row, you know, <laughs> be able to, to paint that picture that there is a, a promising future. I think Bob hit the nail on the head very early on with just being honest. Sit down with your team, your employees, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to call them associates. Sit down with them and just level with them. Like, okay, you know what? I've dropped the ball. And it isn't 100% my fault because we got all these other competitors who are racing to the bottom and they got their feet on wittingly or unwittingly on the accelerator on the way down. Yeah. So, but I'm going to now do my part or we as management, we're going to do our part to try to buck the trend here and set a new standard. So we're going to, you know, this is what we have envisioned. You know, I'm going to sit down with my accountant. I'm going to sit down with, you know, who, maybe a business coach, whatever that is. And we're going to figure out what we need to do in, to increase profitability. Cause that's what it's all about. It might be the labor rate. It might be parts margins. It might be uh, changing things in the shop to make it flow better productivity goes up, you know, if, if productivity is even an issue, like we're going to address real issues to increase the profitability so we can start offering you wage and compensation that is, you know, you deserve as a professional in a high skilled trade hmm. or, or profession. Professional. That is the key right? word. Yep. So that first, and then the shop needs money for everything else, the environment or, or, or the culture of the environment, are, are we fully air or um, HVAC controlled in, in a uh, part of the country that needs it? So, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Massachusetts, Texas, you're going to need heat and AC. Texas definitely needs AC, right? So a lot of God we do. <laughs> right? So climate controlled shop, is it well lit? Is it clean? Is yeah. Organized, you know, yeah. is this, when I walk into the shop kind of like that by itself is sometimes enough to keep somebody from leaving. Cause they know they're working in the nicest shop uh, around. Yeah. Basic housekeeping items. Yeah. And then adding other fringe benefits that other industries do that we don't, that we probably never even think about doing a lot of people, they work from home. Uh, or they do go into the office. Maybe they might, you know, with COVID and stuff, maybe they will start going into the office. But you know darn well, once in a while, a lot of these entities do things just kind of out of the blue. It's a Friday. It's a nice day. Shut down early. Take everybody, you know, either send them home or, hey, let's all go do something. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, privately, they set up a time at the uh, go-kart track. Yeah. Everybody shows up and they're ready and raring to go to, you know, Friday, let's bang out some work. Oh, nope. There isn't really any work to do. Let's hop on this bus or hop <laughs> on my vehicle or whatever. Well, where are we going? And you show up at the go-kart park. Yeah. It, just little things like that, you know, or take everybody out to a nice dinner or have it catered and not pizza. You know, a lot of times it's cater pizza. Like, pizza. Hey, thanks oh guys God. for a great week, guys. <laughs> spend a hundred dollars on pizza for you. Thanks. Yeah. You know, why not go all out and outside of the box? Yeah. yeah taco bar, think, right? No. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think what Matt's uh, to sum up what Matt's saying, the old adage of, you know, people don't care how much you know, so they know how much you care, man. That's true. Now more than ever, first and foremost, you know, show that you care about your employees and you value their, their, them as, a, as an individual. 
And the fact is, there are some pretty crappy employees. And guess what? It doesn't matter what you do with them. I call them like the people that, you know, they win a million dollars on a scratch ticket. They complain they didn't win $2 million. Do yourself a favor as a manager. Fire their ass. Yeah. And get them out of there before they contaminate the rest of your shop, first and foremost. And secondly, I think the big one is um, really just sitting down and saying, like Matt said, being honest and saying, guys, we got to reevaluate. Um, what's our, what's the company vision? Uh, Matt really touched on this thing of getting in front of your guys. You know, I had a service manager. If he had stood up in front of his shop and said, guys, I made some mistakes. I've been wrong. And uh, man, I, I've caused the culture to get toxic here. I, I want to apologize. I really want to say, I'm sorry. Uh, I've realized this and uh, we're going to turn around. We're going to, you know, we're going to work on this together. We're going to flip the script and we're going to make this work. So, you know, I'm asking you to trust me again. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to take the journey with me. Honesty as a leader, getting in front of people like that is what shows people that you are a leader. But to keep marginalizing people's concerns and turning around saying, well, you know, maybe you're the problem. What are you, what are you doing wrong? Man, that's, that's, that's you know, that, there's that part. And secondly, or thirdly, I should say, stop demonizing the automotive technician culture. Get it back into the high schools and say, hey, you want to make a good living? I got a job for you that is necessary. It's fulfilling because I'll tell you, I, you know, there were times where I had motors completely apart. They get back together, run. You're like, damn, that thing runs. I did that. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty cool, yeah. right? And, and I figured that out. And I found that out. And I made it run. Um, you know, start telling kids. You, you don't have to go into – not everybody has to be in computers. You know, not everybody has to be in technology in that aspect. Hey, this is technology too. This is technology where you actually probably know a lot more than these guys do because you're doing almost five different jobs. You right. start making it inviting to say, hey, man, this is a great living. And you get some freedom in the shop. You're moving and you know everybody knows being in a shop. It's a little different. You're not trapped in a cubicle, although a nice air-conditioned cubicle would be nice. No <laughs> lie. But you do, you have you have that option to have a, a really cool existence in a really healthy shop. And you, and I've been part of healthy shops where you're like, this is fun, but they inevitably always crash and burn because, ah, we've got to make more profit. So let's start ruining everything. Like uh, Matt, Lowe, Matt said, you know, they're hitting the gas pedal to the bottom. <laughs> That's well, the truth. So London, I, I don't want to leave you out here and I apologize. We haven't gotten to you as much as I'd, I'd like to here, but I, I think, as a young tech, you know, when we talk about these things from a, a couple guys that have been in it for a long time, are these things that are appealing to you, right? Like, is this something where, you know, as we're talking about this, and if you were to go back and say you're in the shop and you're kind of making that decision again, are, are these the types of things that would have the type of impact where it would keep you in a shop? Or was it just simply, hey, you know what, there's, I don't feel like the money is going to be there and I feel like I'm going to get physically beat up uh, and I'm, I'm going to look for something else. Well, a, a lot of the things and issues were touched on, but it's like, it, it's like was said, it's not all doom and gloom. This yeah. industry is, it's given me a skill set that is really unrivaled in a lot mm -hmm. of aspects. Like I don't have any trepidation now at all about approaching really any type of project. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm doing something around the house, 
or yeah, it's like it, there is a ton of opportunity and there's huge value in learning those skills where it's like that almost comes around to the financial compensation needs to be there and the morale building, the honesty and the leadership needs to be there as well. But it's like you end up where it feels like specialization is important, where you're not spreading yourself too thin. Um, I feel like the image of technicians and mechanics in general has been improving. That's just my perspective. I don't have anything to back that up, but yeah, it it, it is uh, one of the things that for me was a big one on top of those other two points is some way that the technician is not responsible for shouldering the huge burden of cost to even break into the industry because mm. unless you start from ground zero with this skill set like you have a parent that's into it or anything where you're already armed with that knowledge by the time you get to a hireable age i you know i i went to school for it and i still felt horrendously incompetent um because it requires so much you know, so many years and so many dollars of putting in before you really feel strong in your field. At least that was my experience. And it, it doesn't compensate you accordingly. Um, it, it's, it's a lot to learn and the payoff doesn't seem to be there for a lot of people, but that that's just kind of my, my thought on it. Um, like there, there is opportunity there and, uh, Jay, when we first talked, you know, I mentioned that I was almost more into it in from the engineering side was where mm. I was starting to gravitate toward and the high performance side and where you get to do that, those really cool things that you wanted yeah. to do. Um, but that, yeah, that's just kind of my summarized thought on it. Yeah. London, and, were you mentored, when were you mentored at all by anybody that when you work, like did somebody come alongside you and said, Hey London, I want to, I want to teach you and show you how things are done. Cause I think that's another thing that could be a whole nother podcast about mentoring. Yeah. You get, you get thrown to the wolves and I've seen this in multiple dealerships. You get thrown to the wolves and you're expect to produce. And if you don't, you know, you're, you know, Oh, he's a hack. A- absolutely. Like that, that hack, you know, well, you're, I, you're I, thrown to the wolves and then the veteran techs are not put in a position where they're, not, I don't even want to say rewarded, just not punished. Yeah. For mentoring. Right. Yeah. You're it right. would have been, it would have been great to have someone with way, way more years who was actually standing over my shoulder first yeah. starting out, pointing out, you know, there's a certain way that things need to be done. Um, and it seems to be kind of a universal experience at this point where, you yeah you're you're expected to know so much right out of the gate and you're not afforded that opportunity uh for growth um and and it's it was disheartening for me because i've been told and whether this is a generational thing or not you make your own assessment that you know i i had a marginally above average intelligence at bare minimum and so i was like you know i i've been told that i'm smart and I at least like to think that I am to some extent and you just, you, it makes you feel stupid the entire first few years that you yeah. start trying to get that knowledge base. 
Well, and because that's... you know, it, it ends up stunting a talented technician. Yeah, that, there you go. That's it. It'll, and I've seen this so many times where, where a foreman and you know foremans that are in positions they get there because maybe they know a lot, but their people skills suck first and foremost. They don't know how to get a hold of someone like say someone like a London or a Mike or a Tim whatever and say, hey man. You know, I want you to work beside me for the next month or so. I want to I want to show you basic operating mode. I want to show you how to be efficient. I want to show you how to have a good way to go about things. Could throw someone into a dealership, you know, like especially from BMW in the step program. I mean, these guys are fast track for six to eight months. They've got they had the same certifications that I did, but I grounded out over the years to do it. And you know, they throw a diagnostic car at them. These kids are like looking like a deer in a headlight, like, what do I do? I'm like, <laughs> and like what London's saying, you know, there or you know, Matt too is you know, somebody looks at them and, goes, and they go, figure it out. And it's like I I the guys that say that figure it out, that's usually because they're grumpy and nasty, and I get why they say that. There's some good stuff to that because it causes someone to say, well, I've got to figure this out. You start getting deductive reasoning. You start learning diagnostic procedures, but to take someone that is so green as they figure it out, it's like, how do you expect this kid to figure out the technology that we're dealing with now? It's, it's not a carburetor where you adjust an idle mixture screw and it's running better at idle. This is something where someone needs to say, Hey man, I, I let's, let's take a deep breath, man. Let's, let's put your stall right next to me get the car in. I'm going to work with you on this. I'm going to show you how it works. We're going to figure it out together. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to learn you. And more importantly, I expect you to, to absorb this. And I expect the next time that you don't need me as fast, grab me if you get a little bit stuck and eventually you don't need me. Yep. And you start creating an, a, a culture of, of technicians that are like, man, we can tackle anything on our own, together, whatever, instead of just a couple guys with all the knowledge. Yep. I think a good, I think a oh, good go visual ahead. reference of that, I think a good visual reference of that would be like the first couple of seasons of the TV show Scrubs. Where they went through, <laughs> well, they went through all that college, whatever it is, yeah. six years, seven years yeah. of college, and now they're interns. And it's like everything they learned went out the window. Yeah. And yes. Yes. Granted, it's comedy, you know, and yeah. Dr. Cox is evil and Dr. Kelsey is evil, <laughs> and whatever. But they had a path to become good, great doctors. Sure. And we need a little bit of that in our yeah. repair facilities where they went to two years of school or they yeah. spent a couple of years. Uh, you know, working at a family's yeah. repair shop or something, but they don't know it all. There's no way. Right. Who can? Uh, my no, my bring bu- him in and yeah, well, my my business partner, Mark, is a he was a CPA. Uh, that's what he started off as. And when I introduced him to this business, when when we combined forces, he's like, man, even as a CPA, I went and got my master's degree. I still had to go through a a period where you're going through the audit cycle, you're going through all of this stuff. It wasn't like they just threw them to the wolves and said, Hey, good luck doing this, uh, the corporate taxes here. It was, it was like a, it was a process. And that's something where in hearing London, hearing you say that I've heard that so many times and, you know, ASC has got a stat where 42% of of techs leave the industry within the first couple of years. And that is so mind blowing to me that we haven't woken up to that yet to say, you know, if if we can make it easier to start off with, 
And that could be a number of different things. Like London said, the investment needed by new techs, the uh, expectations of new techs, like all of this stuff with new techs, that's like the core of it. And then we can build from there and build these into really, you know, like I said, I don't want this to be all doom and gloom. I don't think it is, but we also need to look in the mirror as an industry and say, okay, how do we fix things here? And to me, at such an elementary level, that's where it starts at, is how do we attack it from there? And then, Bob, I loved your point about mentorship. I was just in a, in a Toyota dealership a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of the coolest things I've seen, where I'm talking to the veteran techs that have been there for a long time, and how much pride they took in their young people coming in. It was kind of like, you know, and they weren't, they were my age, right? Like, they weren't like, like they'd been there for, you know, probably 15 years, 10 years, whatever it was, but they took personal, they took it personal how well those young people were doing. And you could just hear it resonate with them. Like that they, they had expectations for them, but they also were going to work their asses off to try and help them. And that's where, you know, just hearing London, you struck a chord with me there because that's, that's the, you know, I think, that's a lot of where we can start making changes is, is that, that first couple of years and how we treat that first couple of years. And uh, you know, then from there, let's work our way up and how do we take care of our veteran techs? How do we, you know, and we'll have, we're actually going to do a round table, a rentaway round table in a month or two about flat rate. And the whole thing's going to be about flat rate and talking about that. So I can't wait to get yelled at on that one. Uh, but I, I, <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but but it is you know it's these things, and as we look at them, and there's separate pods of like, okay, where can we improve? Where can we improve? Just like you guys as techs, when you're looking at a problem and you're thinking, okay, how do I fix this thing? I almost feel like we need to do that with the industry. It's like, okay, here's yeah. here's the one issue here. We got to fix this, and then we can move on to this issue, and then we can move on to this issue, and and really just as a community start to fix some of this stuff so that future generations don't have to do some of the stuff that we had to. Yeah. If you start, if you start at the higher levels and and fix the, the thought process of the people running the ship, you know, the rest of the ship's going to start running right, you know, first and foremost. And, you know, the other thing too, is you talked about 42% of the, um, you know, people leaving within the first couple of years, you know, to make the correlation to the doctor thing. Yeah. I've heard it said, you know, the only difference between a doctor and a mechanic is this, is that doctors get to bury their comebacks, you know? <laughs> and mechanics I, are tied to them forever. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I had a I had a tech school and I had a tech I had I had a tech school instructor say the, the difference was oh, that man. uh techs had to work on uh, you had different systems to work on. Doctors had the same system to work on every time. Uh it was the right. same operating system. So yeah. uh but Guys, we're we're up on our time. We're actually over our time, and so to be respectful of your time, we're as we tape this uh, a a Wednesday evening. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you for bringing all of this to the table. This was really good, heartfelt stuff. I, I think we could have, as you alluded to, gone on this subject for another four hours easily. Uh, so I, you know, I hate to cut it off because it is such good conversation, but hopefully we can continue the conversation. Hopefully we can figure out ways that this isn't the last conversation that the four of us have or the industry has, but how do we, how do we do those things? How do we keep somebody like London in, in this business, in this industry, because that's vital to what we're going to do moving forward. How do, how do we keep somebody like Bob happy? 
you know, I, I think how do we, you know, Matt, you are the one that's still in the industry, is still very well respected in the industry. And and I think that was the cool part about this this conversation is just the diversity and backgrounds, the different stages of life that each of you are in. And, you know, at some point we all had a common ground where we were techs. I was a terrible tech. So I, I was one of those uh, 42% that was out within the first couple of years. So I, uh, I, I, I can't say anything other than that. Like, I know, I know how that is, uh, uh, but I, this was, this was a really cool show to me. And I really hope to have each of you back at some level uh, in some point in time so that we can continue this discussion. I, I, I just, from the bottom of my heart, just absolutely love this conversation. So thank you all so much for joining me. Thanks, Jay. We appreciate you, what you're doing, too. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's awesome that there's people like you out here who actually want to get this information out and have these discussions. So appreciate it. Yep. Same right right back at you guys. It's, uh, it is, uh, we, we do have a really good business. Uh, we do have a really good industry. We just got to figure out ways to fine tune it a little bit so we can get it uh get it to where everybody's kind of satisfied here. So we got a long way to go, but you know, these conversations will help hopefully push us in the right direction. So thank you guys very much. 